coming to you from our new home at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts, we are the Superflex Super Show. We talk QB values, Superflex strategies, evaluate and debate Superflex trades, plus our own twist on Superflex team management with exercises like Tinderflex, Super 6, and You Are Nuts. So when you're done with this awesome DLF podcast, find us on Twitter at Superflex Show and join us in the discussion of the fastest growing format in all of fantasy football, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to the latest edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan, that's Matt over there, is Ryan. We are in the midst of the legal tampering period, so we're going to talk about these free agent signings, or at least these alleged Free agent signings, fellas. Uh, spend a little time on that. It is St. Patrick's Day. We're recording on Tuesday night in the midst of all the coronavirus stuff. We're going to sidestep all of that. I think everybody's heard enough about that. Let's talk about these signings, though, fellas. But before we get to that, let's talk about those three openings that we have in our DLF Listener League, Matt. Yeah, we're going to be doing this Listener League at some point this off season, and if you're going to pick up an orphan anyway this season, you can get a chance to compete against Ryan and Dan and myself, uh, same as it's been for the last several weeks. Go to safeleaguesfantasy.com slash orphans and use the code DYNASTY, and there's a little bit of a bonus uh, this week. If you buy one on Thursday or Friday of this week, that is the uh, the 19th or the 20th of March. They're actually going to be putting on a sale on these orphans. Um, Scott Fish says they're going to be most of them are going to be between 50 and 60 percent off. And if you use our code Dynasty, then you're going to get an extra 10 percent off of your purchase on top of that. So a great time to go pick up a, a rebuild project for a big discount. And using our code Dynasty at SafeLeaguesFantasy.com/orphans will get you uh, an even bigger discount on those orphans. So go pick them up and then uh, compete against Dan and I and Ryan in the Listener League. Yeah, that sounds like fun. Come join us. Let's talk about this legal tampering period, fellas. Uh, we'll go position by position. All the, as I said before, alleged signings that are going to take place tomorrow, probably before all our listeners actually listen to this. So uh, we'll start at quarterback under center, as we always do. And I think the appropriate place to start is is probably with the franchise tag that Dak Prescott got, Ryan. Uh, paid big to be that elite signal caller in Dallas. Of course, we have Amari Cooper back in, in place as well. Randall Cobb leaves. We'll get to those receivers in a minute. But just general thoughts on Dak Prescott, Ryan. What are you, what are you thinking about? They had to franchise him, first of all. And then secondly, with Zeke in place, that offensive line has been so good for so long. Amari, of course, is back in place as well. New coaching staff. Are we looking for a step up from Dak Prescott or status quo? Uh, I would like to think we could expect a step up or, or continued improvement. Uh, and, and hopefully that... Uh, comes as as a result of another weapon there. You know, Gallup Gallup is great and and obviously huge to have Amari back. Uh, but I think they need they need another receiver. Uh, whether that's as a result of of Cobb leaving or not, I, I think they needed a third option anyway. Um, and and hopefully they can just get that long term deal done because we we did hear. Uh, some reports from and some comments from Dak himself say, basically saying if he was tagged, he would not be reporting to any OTAs. We know that's kind of off the table now anyway, but uh, we, we want a happy Dak, and, and that means a long-term deal. Matt, you're a Packers fan. You know all about Mike McCarthy and everything he's done in his tenure as the head coach in Green Bay. Your thoughts about Dak signing with with Mike McCarthy at the helm. 
Yeah, you know, he said a lot of good things this offseason, you know, made to say, sure to say the word analytics like 500 times in his, his press conference when he was hired, I think. So, uh, you know, maybe he's evolving. Maybe he's going to go away from all those, you know, those dinosaur ISO routes that we saw in, when he was there in, in Green Bay and, and really kind of let Kellen Moore uh, or, or, you know, if he brings in another offensive coordinator, then maybe they'll let him, you know, kind of work on on uh, updating the offense, basically, and let him kind of be that figurehead that, you know, like what a true head coach should, should probably be, especially for him at this point. Um, if he tries to force his old ideals into there, then we might have problems. But I, I, I think McCarthy's going to be fine there. I think he is an okay coach. He just needed to update that offensive system. So it's obvious that Dak and Amari need to be together. It's not really that surprising that they were not able to get a long-term deal with one of the two. Uh, maybe Amari beat him to the punch, you know, so to speak. Now they've got $190 million tied up in, in, in uh, um, Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott. So hopefully they can bring Dak on board too and kind of round out that triplets that we've kind of, kind of come to expect historically from Dallas. So I kind of feel like they're going to be able to get it done. Jerry Jones is going to want to keep these three together. It's just going to be a matter of time, and hopefully Dak will you know, be willing to give a little to, to, to get a lot uh, of what he could do for the rest of his career there in Dallas. Yeah, hopefully it falls that way. I'm cautiously optimistic that it'll work out with Mike McCarthy and that trio, that three-headed monster that they have at the skill positions there in Dallas. It'd be good for dynasty owners for sure. Let's move on to a couple of other quarterbacks that signed uh, back with their old squads, I guess. Drew Brees, this was expected, but he gets two years, $50 million in New Orleans. Ryan Tannehill, four years, $118 million. But, Ryan, it appears that that's a two-year contract. Unless he's really, really good, it becomes a three- or a four-year deal. Tannehill back in Tennessee. Uh, Breeze really goes without saying that's good news for Dynasty owners. Talk about these two. Yeah, really, really just think it's going to be status quo for, for both of these quarterbacks and both of these teams. I think they both need, uh, similar similar to the Cowboys, I think they both need another uh, pass catcher in that offense. And uh, for Breeze, it's it's just great news for, obviously, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Jared Cook, that entire offense. Uh, but even the the risk that he had to retire should kind of give us that warning about how we value those players moving forward because it it does look like this is probably it for Drew Brees as far as likely the final season of his career and yeah Tannehill was was a big surprise it would be it would be even more of a surprise if he continued that level of play uh, throughout the 2020 season so uh, if if you're talking about super flex leagues it uh, it's a good time to maybe try to sell high on him uh, although you got to be got to be realistic about the price. Late first rounder is probably the ceiling. Uh, might have to go even lower than that. Yeah, it. it I don't know, man. I, I know he played well last season, but it's really hard to to trust that, and it's really hard to stomach sixty two million dollars of fully guaranteed money for for Tannehill. Uh, 91 in, in total guarantees, uh, 118, like you said, over over the four years if he meets all of those incentives. That just seems like an awful lot. I know the, the that's kind of the quarterback market now, but I mean now now honestly now with that kind of kind of deal, it seems like Dak is maybe warranted and asking for his 40 million dollars a year or whatever it is. So uh, I I am. I don't know. I am not opt- optimistic about this offense. It seems like they did. They hit their ceiling last year. Uh, they're probably going to have to tag Henry now, right? And uh, and and when that happens, you know they're going to try to do the same thing. But the same thing doesn't generally work year after year in the NFL. So uh, I, I with with the cost of of AJ Brown right now, like I might even consider going out and selling him uh, based on based on this signing and then thinking that oh they're they're back together, right? So uh, I, I I would be selling pretty much all of this offense. I think right now. Mm, mark it down. Matt Price is the <laughs> only person out there selling. He's at like AJ ten. He's what Brown. is he? Ten in the in, in ADP this month? Ten or eleven at wide receiver position? I can't. Yeah, he, I can't. But he's I like can't. top ten good. So we're all holding, holding or buying, uh, Matt. Matt. Uh, good advice though. Do you have him anywhere? Because I think I've got one or two offer. shares. Maybe we'll uh, see see about that. See if we can do something. Okay. We'll do that after the show. Uh, Drew Brees, of course, 41 years old, signed that two-year deal. Ryan alluded to maybe the lat, the swan song, the last chance 
for Drew Brees. But, you know, maybe beyond that, we've seen one other quarterback in his 40s dip down a little bit as far as production goes. That's Tom Brady. As I said earlier, it's alleged all these signings are, of course. Uh, Tom Brady looks, reading the tea leaves, some of the tweets coming out. Looks like he's going to Tampa Bay, Matt. You said before we hit record tonight that it was an odd fit for you a few months ago or at least a month ago maybe six weeks I was saying it seems like Tom Brady Tampa Bay that seems like a match what are your thoughts on Brady potentially ending up in Tampa Bay it just seems like a weird fit maybe it's going to work out because Brady is is the goat you know but this is not your the quarterback you picture with within a Bruce Arians offense, a, a high flying downfield offense, you know, Jameis will uh, Jameis Winston filling there with footballs last season. Like this just doesn't seem like something that we want Brady to be doing at this stage of his career. That said, he certainly has the best set of weapons that, you know, maybe he's ever had, which seems, seems weird to say for someone who's been playing that long with a team that's won so many Super Bowls. But they have, uh, outside of that, it was a 2007 with, with Moss and Edelman and those guys, like I, or uh, Wes Welker and those guys. Uh, outside of that, like this certainly seems like the best set of welco- uh, weapons he's ever had. So maybe that makes up for the shortcomings of his ability to throw the ball downfield these days. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it just feels weird. Maybe it'll work out, but uh, I, I'm not super optimistic about my Mike Evans and my Chris Godwin shares right now. Speaking of Evans and Godwin, Ryan, little leery, little feeling a little bit queasy about the prospect of Brady throwing underneath five and five yard dump offs and twelve yard crossing routes rather than pushing the ball down the field to our, our big play threats down there in Tampa Bay. Yeah, I think I think you have to be. There's there's no way around it, really. And uh, even if we see, you know, maybe a rejuvenated Tom Brady and and something like that, I don't I don't know if that plays out. But even if that's the case, he's he's still not going to be the type of quarterback that Jameis Winston was. And uh, as as bad as that was, when it comes to the interceptions and uh, really just the turnovers in general, he had he had a ton of fumbles as well. Um, it was great for Evans and Godwin and their production. So <clears throat> really almost any quarterback that they brought in that is not Jameis Winston was was going to be a hit against those two. And you look at that top tier of receivers, and right now it's it's so deep depending on, on what your own rankings or, or valuations look like. But, I mean, we're talking about Cooper and Adams and Hopkins, Tyreek Hill and Thomas and – uh, DJ Moore might be in that group. Maybe even AJ Brown is in that group if you're Matt. But um, it it it's easy to it, it's it's so easy because that group is so tight to move those guys down a couple a couple of notches uh, just based on these concerns. So uh, that's that's what maybe I did. maybe like a guy like Scotty Biller is the is the answer here. Maybe he he fills in that slot role, you know, kind of takes over that, you know, that traditional Edelman Welker role for Brady. So maybe he's like a, worth an add in some deep leagues. Yeah. Yeah, at the very least, he's he's worth a dart throw for sure. He's a guy that's on the radar at the very least. Uh, a few other quarterback signings or or I guess alleged signings again. Philip Rivers lands in Indianapolis. That's been rumored for quite a while. One year, $25 million. Teddy Bridgewater, an interesting one in Carolina. Three years, $60 million. He's the starter there now. Marcus Mariota, we can throw him in there as well in Las Vegas. I dug and dug. Couldn't find details on what they're paying Marcus Mariota. That'll be interesting to find out in the coming days. Fellas, what are our thoughts on this trio of signal callers, Rivers, Bridgewater, and Mariota, before moving on to the guys that still are to find new teams? It's hard to be excited about Rivers, for sure. Uh, As as bad as Jacoby Brissett was uh, in the the back half of of last season, and, you know, part of that has to do with with a lack of weapons, and T.Y. Hilton was hurt. Everybody was, was really hurt in that offense. I don't think we can look at Rivers as a clear upgrade, even over a guy like Brissett. So that kind of feels like a, a status quo move for a lot more money. Bridgewater, he's he's another kind of dink and dunker. He's not going to throw the ball down the field much either. But you look at those type of those receivers 
that they have in DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, uh, and then along with Ian Thomas at tight end, it fits that offense a lot better than what they've got in Tampa Bay with with the the big play uh, duo there. So uh, I actually think Bridgewater is a really good fit in Carolina. Yeah, I agree with Ryan there. It's just weird that Cam is still on the roster. That division is pretty interesting from a quarterback perspective now because you've got Brady and Breeze in the same in the same division, and then you've got Bridgewater against his old mentor or whatever you want to call him, Drew Breeze. So that's going to be a fun division to watch this year. I, I don't hate Rivers to Indianapolis as much as you guys. I think that's still a very good team. He's paired back with Frank Reich, who Rivers had his best – uh, seasons with when when Reich was in uh, in Los, Los Angeles now I guess and formerly in San Diego so it's kind of an interesting pairing I like that organization the offensive line is going to be light years ahead of anything that Rivers ever saw uh, with the Chargers so uh, the weapons obviously are, are not quite as exciting as they were in Los Angeles no Keenan Allen no Mike Will- Williams no certainly no Hunter Henry there uh, but Tyreek Hill or Tyreek Hill uh, T.Y. Hilton I think still has something to, 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 to give there. And then they have some draft capital to use, I think on some receivers in the draft this year. So I, I get it that rivers look pretty bad towards the end of the last year, but uh, I don't know. I think this one could be, could be okay. <laughs> yeah. I think that that slow release and, and late throwing motion that, that'll fit in good in Indianapolis. <laughs> we'll see how that all shakes out. There are a handful of guys still to sign or, Find new homes, guys. We mentioned Jameis. Matt, you mentioned Cam. He's he's apparently uh, been given the right to look for a trade partner. Also, Jacoby Brissett. Maybe he changes hands. Is there a move that we're looking for at the quarterback position that could shake up our dynasty ranks, Ryan? Yeah, it's. I mean, this whole process. I know. I know most of the football world has been waiting to see what happened with Tom Brady, but from a dynasty uh, perspective the whole quarterback position is, is really about Jameis Winston because he's, he's the one that can really impact uh, his pass catchers and, and his offense from a fantasy standpoint. So he's, he's the one I'm still watching. And there are definitely a couple uh, strong options still. The Chargers are the top one, of course, but New England would offer a starting position. Maybe the Bears would offer a starting position too. But we're just we're running out of chairs. It's, it's basically those three spots and you've got Winston, you've got Cam, you've got Brissett, you've got Andy Dalton, all the names we've talked about. And then you also have uh, the rookies coming in. You know, Herbert is going to eventually take one of these jobs, and we think Jordan Love probably will, and Tua probably will. So um, it's it's not looking great for these guys who are still out there without a job. Ryan, before we hit the record button this evening, you you gave some advice that I was nodding my head to, something I was thinking as well. It's that Jameis, if he lands somewhere where he's in that quote-unquote competition, that's a guy that you might be willing to, to bet on winning that competition or at least getting his chance and putting up big fantasy numbers at some point. Sure. I mean, Jameis's price has always been disproportionate with his production and and we know why we know it's because of the turnovers and and the fact that he's he's really not a great real life quarterback he makes too many too many mistakes to 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 have that label and and we're seeing that play out but if he does go end up with a team like the bears and if there if there were to be some kind of statement that it it would be a competition or that it's he's going to be Mitch Trubisky's backup uh, then I would definitely be chasing Winston in in that situation, and honestly, I will almost no matter what because he's going to be so cheap, and uh, if and when he's on the field, uh, he offers a ton of upside. Matt, I want to talk to you first of all about the running back position because there was some interesting moves, of course, at the position, uh, particularly with the trades and the tags that got handed out. Over the last couple of days, first of all, Kenyon Drake getting that transition tag and then Derrick Henry in Tennessee getting the franchise tag, but also David Johnson ends up in Houston. So a lot for dynasty owners to think about, digest, uh, try to try to make sense of really Drake ending up in Arizona. That seems like the right fit. Henry staying in Tennessee. That seems like the right fit. David Johnson to Houston, especially considering the price tag, that's leaving dynasty owners and and football fans in general scratching their heads. So 
these three guys, the big names of the group so far that have committed to where they're going to be, what are your thoughts about this trio? Yeah, like you said, Henry landing back in, in Tennessee is really the only spot that, that, that made sense for him, to be honest with you. I mean, maybe maybe if the Colts decided to try to make a run at him, you know, maybe he could have fit there behind that offensive line. Uh, but for the most part, it seemed, maybe maybe even Detroit, you know, they, uh, uh, Patricia seems to want to play different defense and run the ball just like Tennessee does, so that could have been a fit, I guess. But I, I really think that that is the best for a hit for him. Drake, you know, we'll see what happens if anybody sends him a, a decent offer for him. The transition tag, I think, around is going to be around eight million dollars. I read, so it'll see. It'll be interesting to see if anybody makes them an offer that the Cardinals just don't want to match for any reason. David Johnson, I think, is the interesting one. You know, obviously he <laughs> severely disappointed last year, but a trade scenery might be good now that Nuke uh, is 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 in Arizona. There's not really a true wide receiver one there, so maybe they can make use of his receiving talents and kind of rejuvenate his career a little bit. The offensive line there is obviously not very good, but neither it, it wasn't in, in Arizona either, so that's not really a huge factor. But now he's got a, a, a running quarterback. Kyler runs some too, of course, but Sean Watson, I think, has him in that category. So we know what th- what that typically does for uh, r- r- what running quarterbacks typically do for running backs. So I, I kind of like that. Uh, you know, I-, I-, I think I would cautiously buy. I don't know what his price tag right now is directly after that trade, but before that it was <laughs> seriously in the tank and you could get him for, mo- for almost pennies, it seemed like. So if-, if his price remains depressed like that, I think he's worth a speculative ad uh, if you can get him for, for a cheap price, maybe a late second, early third round pick, something like that if somebody's willing to just move on and you're competing this season. So uh, I-, I-, I like it. I like the fact that they have a new running back. I like the fact that they finally have a running back since what's the last one they've had really that's ever, has done anything back since the days of Arian Foster, right? So uh, if they can make use of his receiving ability with their no, with there not being any true wide receiver one there, then I think it could be a good fit at least for uh, a fantasy and, you know, like the running back two kind of range, low end running back two, something like that. Yeah, I think, I think all three of these guys gained value. Uh, at least you could say Henry is – uh, retained his value and by by not going to a uh, a lesser spot or a worse spot than Tennessee Johnson certainly Matt as as you said is going to see an uptick in value because it was it was almost gone um, you mentioned the late second or third I think that's probably going to be pretty far off actually I think it would be closer to an early second uh, would be the price on him. Because we've we've already seen, you know, we've seen what he can do. He's it's not really a speculative uh, move. It's just can he can he how much can he regain? We we think he's going to regain something. Can he get back to uh, that status uh, as an every week fantasy starter? Uh, and and if he does, then uh, that that would be more of the price in that early second, maybe even late first round range. I would not be buying at that price, but I, I would certainly be selling. And then Drake uh, locked in as, as the guy in Arizona. It probably gets the biggest boost. I, I think we can look at him as uh, a top 15 dynasty running back, at least until we throw these rookies in the mix. Going back to your comments on DJ there, Ryan, there's probably a group of dynasty owners that, that don't think that he regained the value or, or that it's good for his value. They probably think maybe that it saved his value Mm -hmm. or it's the last chance to get out on David Johnson. What side of the fence do you fall on in that one? Because it was, it was really only the first quarter of the 2019 season. David Johnson was a regular starter, a guy that we could depend on a guy that was going to get 18 to 22 touches in a game and and was putting up running back one type numbers we're not that far distance from that kind of production um which side of the fence do you fall on did he is is it the last chance or or is he going to return to form um honestly i'd probably say somewhere in the middle I, i mean he's not going to return to form as a top five uh, dynasty running back. Uh, the the value is never going to get back there just due just due to his age uh, and and these injury questions. I think he could still produce as a low end RB one, especially in this offense. We we looked at this uh, a, a couple weeks ago as one of the ideal landing spots for a running back. So basically, everything's kind of playing into his into his favor to really gain a ton of value. Not all the way back, but but pretty close. All right, guys, there's a 
couple more running backs worth talking about. First of all, in the uh, yuck category, Jordan Howard signed with Miami. Two years, $10 million. I, I guess maybe it's not yuck if you get him for free. He's a guy, you know, the expectation is in Miami they're going to add a running back in the draft, maybe multiple running backs. But if that weren't to happen, maybe Jordan Howard squeezes a little bit of value out of one year in Miami. And then and then that group of guys that are still to sign that dynasty owners already have on their rosters and are eagerly awaiting where they land, Melvin Gordon, Devonta Freeman. So Matt, of this group, the Howard signing in Miami, Gordon still hanging in limbo as of right now, along with Devonta Freeman. What are you thinking in, of among this trio? For, for ha- the Howard signing, it, it makes me think that maybe they're not going to draft a running back highly this year. You know, they have some other needs on that team they need to fill. Uh, <laughs> Kalen Balaj, I guess, is going to be a fine backup. But you know, Jordan Howard, I think, could maybe you know squeeze out, like you said, like a flex level play. Uh, at least on you know bye weeks, maybe uh, if you're replacing an injured player or something like that. So he's going to get you. I think he's going to do what he's always done. He's going to get about four yards of carry, occasionally get in the end zone, probably not going to catch any passes, probably be between 60 and 80 yards on average every week. So, uh, you know, he, 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 I think he's probably a little bit undervalued right now. Uh, at least to where he was before this signing. I'm sure he will gain some from this, but probably not astronomical by any means. Uh, And then of the other two guys that we mentioned that haven't signed, I I think I said last week Melvin Gordon to Buffalo sounds pretty good. Uh, So if they can afford him at this point, I I really don't think that they're just going to give the – you know the lion's share of the carry so to speak to to, to Devin single carry at this point um so I like that as a, as a fit for him right now and Freeman I'm not sure I I don't know I don't really think he's going to be on the market uh or he's he's going to be on the market for a long time you know maybe we're gonna have to wait to see like an injury in training camp or something like that for Freeman to really find a home at least in, in any kind of significant role yeah I I agree on Freeman uh, I think he's he's just a veteran backup at this point uh, which feels weird because it, it does feel like he still carries that name value in dynasty leagues, but in, in reality, it's it's just not there. Uh, Gordon, we we talked about this. We expected this. He wasn't going to get the huge payday. Really, uh, none of these running backs were. But I'm surprised we've heard we've heard almost nothing out of him, and and the good landing spots are drying up. Uh, of course. David Johnson gets one of them. Jordan Howard gets one of them for now. We'll see. Uh, They probably do still add a rookie. But those are a couple of spots that would have been nice for Gordon to land and kind of have that similar value gain as as DJ is is dealing with right now. Uh, It's it's Tampa Bay, and that's kind of it. Um, Buffalo, I don't think... Would it would be a good landing spot for him, but I just don't I don't think the value would be there. He wouldn't move back into that RB one range from uh, from a dynasty perspective. So uh, it it'll definitely be interesting to see where he lands. Yeah, interesting indeed. I think Melvin Gordon owners in dynasty leagues everywhere are, are probably either wishing that he would have taken that ten million dollar per season deal that he got offered from the Chargers during his holdout or. Or, you know, the rumors swirled that maybe the Dolphins would be interested, that they wish they would have ended up there. It's not looking great for your Melvin Gordon shares at this point, but let's see what happens over the coming days. Let's take a, this opportunity to talk to talk about our friends over at DynastyOwner.com. Do you think you are smarter than an NFL GM? Do you think you're the best at fantasy football? Well, here's your chance to prove it. Dynasty Owner is the only patented fantasy sports game using actual NFL salaries and contracts. You manage your team from all levels, owner to general manager to coach. Dynasty Owner is for smart, elite fantasy football players. There is no off-season in Dynasty Owner. The rookie draft matters, free agency matters, every contract matters. Come to a startup draft in 2020 using actual NFL player contracts and salaries. Then improve your team each year with a three-round rookie draft and by trading players and draft picks. Win weekly prizes, seasonal prizes, and compete in the chase for the ring. The mobile app is in development and will be ready for download on iOS 
and Android in time for rookie drafts this May. Mock drafts are open now on desktop and mobile browsers. To learn more and mock for free, go to DynastyOwner.com. That's www.DynastyOwner.com. Guys, we covered quarterbacks and running backs and these signings in the legal tampering period. Let's talk about wide receivers. Uh, not necessarily a signing, but is is probably going to become a signing here very shortly. DeAndre Hopkins traded to Arizona in what can only be described as larceny, really. Uh, when I saw the trade, I thought, okay, they're missing something. There's There's another piece going their way, a future first, something like that. Hopkins goes to Arizona for pennies. Let's talk about it, fellas. Matt, I love DeAndre Hopkins. He's one of my favorite non-Packers of all time. He and Drew Brees kind of make up that list, and I have him on so many dynasty teams. I'm excited about the move to Arizona, that that downfield passing game, that kind of run-and-shoot type style, and, and Kyler Murray under center in a running game that works. If they get an offensive line that can protect Kyler Murray – uh, DeAndre Hopkins should the expectation should be that he just picks up right where he left off for dynasty owners back when he was in Houston. Yeah, I I think it is a slight downgrade, but not enough one to really to really worry about. Uh, you know, we we see constantly that players that that go to a new, especially wide receivers, they go to a new team, kind of struggle in the first year. We saw it with Odell Beckham last year. Uh, there are you know some other under, other underlying causes there of course but we see that that kind of trend happen uh, obviously going to a much less experienced quarterback one that he doesn't have a rapport with yet it will be fun to see him and and Larry Fitzgerald on the field at the same time uh, there there's a lot of guys there that could could emerge and, and kind of take targets from him that's kind of the the you know the the the, the, what that offense wants to be is to have a, five guys on the field, uh, not have one guy that's you know targeted ex- exorbitantly more than the other guys. So I, I do think there's a chance that he sees less targets in Arizona than he does see in did he did see in Houston. You know the, the volume, the speed of the offense could compensate that for sure. But the the other weapons that are there, I think, are uh, even though they're relatively unknown right now outside of Fitzgerald and, and I guess Kirk, we can throw in there too. I still think they're probably probably of a bit higher quality than the surrounding talent was in uh, in Houston when Will Fuller was out of the, the lineup, which was most of the season, right? So I think there is a little bit of risk there. The risk That risk plus the risk of him being on a new team in the first, first year could see a little bit of a, a downturn in his value, at least in 2020, which means it's probably time, time to buy next offseason for DeAndre Hopkins. Mm, so he moves from the best receiver in football <laughs> to the second best. Got it. Uh, Ryan, I think if anything, this, this really tampers the expectations for Kirk and Isabella, uh, to me, Nuke just hoards all the targets or, or enough to, to keep him as a top five option for dynasty owners. Am I wrong? No, I don't think so. Uh, but I don't think Matt's wrong either. Uh, I mean, Hopkins is a guy who's been top, uh, I think it was top seven in targets, for five or six straight years. So uh, I, I don't know if that streak continues uh, because of the presence of, of Kirk and Fitzgerald. And, you know, then then the maybes, maybe Isabella, maybe Keyshawn Johnson, maybe even Hakeem Butler, though though the value of those three guys is is basically shot at this point with, with this move. We're, we're still having two different conversations. I think the production could take a... Slight hit once we get into the season. I think Matt's right about that. I think the value right now probably went up a little bit. He was wide receiver three in our uh, March ADP. I think just just the hype, the excitement of that offense. We've seen it basically for a, almost a full year now since they uh, drafted Kyler Murray and, and added some of these other pieces. The hype of that offense is going to probably boost his value a little bit. It boosts his value, maybe, but that doesn't really answer the question of, of what dynasty owners should do with him. Is is he the guy that you hold strong and expect those big big games and the production that we've come to expect from Hopkins? Or is he a guy that you're thinking, maybe I should float him out there because of all this hype? 
Um, I, he was the guy I was selling anyway. Um, that goes back to uh, his age. I'm I'm not too scared of that yet, but it's it's something to be aware of. And, and then you think about that deep top tier that we talked about uh, with the earlier conversation. There's just so many pivot options with him. Uh, that if you want, if you want to move to Amari Cooper, if you want to move to one of the Buccaneers, that got maybe got a little bit riskier. But uh, there, there's so many options in that top tier that you can pivot to. And now, if you can pivot to those guys and get uh, a, a decent piece back, then yeah, I would absolutely uh, explore that. Fair enough. There was another wide receiver that switched teams via trade. Uh, a guy that dynasty owners have depended on in recent years. That's Stefan Diggs, who moves on from Minnesota to Buffalo. I think I can speak for all Packers fans and saying, welcome to Buffalo, Mr. Diggs. We don't need to see you twice a year any longer. Uh, Matt, talk to me about Diggs landing in Buffalo, a speed guy, a guy that can get downfield, now with a quarterback that can deliver the ball downfield and likes to push it. Uh, up the seams and outside the numbers, uh, both. So Diggs in Buffalo, are we excited about this prospect with him, with Josh Allen? I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. I think it's going to be a really fun offense to watch next season with along with John Brown out there, two guys that can get deep and that, again, that plays to uh, Josh Allen's strength. Certainly the accuracy is still an issue with him as he continues to develop as a quarterback. But now he's got a legit – I, I, I'm okay saying that Stephon Diggs can be an NFL wide receiver one. Now the numbers might not be there just because you know from a, from a wide receiver one standpoint for fantasy he might settle into that that wide receiver two range where really he's been uh, you know his 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 ADP and his his trade value and things like that has probably been higher than his actual production value week to week for us. But, you know, maybe that settles in there now. But I like him going to this team. I like the the, the, the talent around him. He, I think he's clearly the number one option there. And the fact that this team wants to continue to run the ball and play defense and take advantage of Josh Allen and what he does and able to create on the run, uh, I think are all good things for Diggs. I think it's definitely an upgrade in situation to what he had uh, at the quarterback position anyway to, to what he had in Minnesota with Kirk Cousins. You know, you might say – uh, that he's got a little bit more competition in 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 in, uh, in Minnesota, obviously with with Adam Thielen, and now he doesn't have that anymore. Maybe that uh, you know hurts his value in terms of what he's able to do. Like there's not someone to go and cover Adam Thielen now, and we don't really need to worry about John Brown as much. But you know, John Brown was the wide receiver 15 last year in fantasy, so I think he's still a valid option too. So I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, Cole Beasley underneath, and those two guys running deep. I think it's a, a pretty fun fit. Ryan, I don't think there's a player in the NFL that I've either acquired or traded away more than Stephon Diggs. He was a he was a guy I really liked in the third round of rookie drafts a handful of years ago. Traded him after the after the hype kind of got out of control, and then when he leveled off, I was buying him a few times. Should I be buying Stephon Diggs or selling him right now? Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a tough question because actually he kind of feels like a hold to me. You look at, uh, his performance, uh, just over the past, uh, the past couple years for the Vikings. And, and even though last year was a little bit, uh, a little bit up and down to say the least, he was, he still gave us wide receiver one performance a third of the time. So uh, in a third of the games, the past two years, he was a top 12 wide receiver. He was a, uh, wide receiver one or two top 24 scorer in nearly half of his games played. So, and and like Matt said, that was while he was sharing with uh, sharing targets with Adam Thielen as, as good as John Brown is, I I don't think he's going to see the type of target volume that Thielen did. So I I think we can probably expect a, uh, a bump in value or a bump in production and henceforth a bump in value for digs. He's, he's that player that everyone wants wants to really like, wants to value as a wide receiver one, and he just never quite gets there. I think this might help him get there. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. He's a guy I'm excited to put in my lineup in week one, especially with that quarterback and that offense. Seems like it may be a little bit of boom and bust, and we've seen that a little bit in the past from him, but we'll take it when the boom is as as good as what he's uh, put forth for dynasty owners in the past. Ryan, Anything for Amari, right? That's what 
that's what the the Cowboys front office finally decided. Five years, one hundred million for Amari Cooper to return back to Dallas. As a dynasty owner, we got to be pretty excited about Cooper being locked up with Dak Prescott and that offense for the next five years. Yeah, absolutely. As as we've said with a few other guys, it's it's just status quo, and and maybe we can even expect. Uh, a bump in value. I think Cooper is a top five dynasty receiver. And th- there were maybe a couple of interesting spots if he had uh, had chosen to leave. We we saw Schefter and others report that the Redskins made him a big offer, uh, even more money than he uh, than he took from Dallas. So I'm glad I'm glad he uh, made the decision he did and stayed in Dallas. Matt, your thoughts on Amari Cooper landing back in Dallas seems like the right fit, right? Yeah, I, I kind of talked about it when we talked about Dak. This is the place for this is the be- absolute best landing spot for Cooper, assuming that they get a de- deal with Dak done. You know, long term, those guys together, I think, is going to be be fantastic. And I agree that he's probably a top five dynasty uh, wide receiver right now. Yeah, couldn't agree more. A guy that has been in dynasty owners. Top five at wide receiver is A.J. Green. Gets the franchise tag in Cincinnati. This might be the opposite, Ryan. Might be one of them guys that we wish could have got loose, maybe got a chance somewhere else, but you never know with Joe Burrow right around the corner. Yeah, it it seems like they're going to upgrade the quarterback position. Uh, At least that's the expectation that that Burrow can come come in right away and uh, and contribute and, and really play at a high level, honestly. Uh, we know their offensive line is going to be upgraded as well, which will help the entire offense. So uh, it, it feels like the Bengals are in a lot better position now than they were a year ago when when Green didn't even bother to step on the field. So, yeah, I mean, changing teams is always kind of an exciting thing as as a fan, and I'm sure it is from the player's perspective as well. But I, I don't think this is a terrible thing for Green's value to to just to stay in, in Cincinnati. It, it does feel like a little bit of a weird move, to be honest, for the Bengals. Uh, maybe it's going to be to to help mentor someone they pick at, at 201. You know, maybe they get another young receiver there. But I, I, I don't feel like they're going to compete next year, even with Joe Burrow. So, I mean, maybe maybe for the last playoff spot, especially, you know, maybe not this year, but if next year with this new uh, this new new uh, CBA pass with the with extra playoff team there. Right. So maybe at that point, but at that point, that, that franchise tag is already wasted. So spending 18 million dollars on a guy this old for this team doesn't make a lot of sense to me. They have they're going to have under five million in cap space until they get rid of Andy Dalton's contract. And if they for some reason can't do that, he's going to make Seventeen and a half million dollars in twenty twenty. So I, it seems like hard to seems like that's going to be a hard sell for a trade for anybody. So I, I don't know. It feels like a weird move. It's probably a fine place for for Green's fantasy value at least in twenty twenty. But for the team from an NFL standpoint, it feels like a little bit of a weird move. You know, I I just I've always wondered what AJ Green would be like with an elite quarterback, with a guy that can really deliver the ball on time and and press the ball downfield to a guy like Green. And we may never see that. He's getting up there in age. And, you know, Dalton, while he has been serviceable and has even played at a high level at times, never really consistently put up those numbers with Green. Uh, it's really a shame because he's as good uh, as, as really any wide receiver we've seen in recent years. Ryan, if there's a guy in the dynasty, or as if there's a football player, uh, that is more associated to you than Randall Cobb, then I don't know who he is. And Cobb, Cobb is in the news once again, so i got to send it to you first on Randall Cobb, who's in Houston now, goes across state, I guess. Three years, $27 million, which is eye-popping, uh, head-scratching, eyebrow-raising, whatever you might want to say. I love Ron- Randall Cobb as much as anybody, maybe with the exception of you. That is... That's a high price to pay for Randall Cobb. They were they were just searching so badly to replace DeAndre Hopkins and and swung and missed. Yeah, I I really feel bad for for my guy Cobb because he's he's kind of taken the ire of uh, of Texans fans today and and really of of all football fans and fantasy players because it's 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 the I, I understand it. You know, we we won't pay. 
the best wide receiver in football, but we're going to pay Randall Cobb this much money. And, and as much as I love Cobb, I totally get it. Last year, he, uh, of course, left Green Bay. And, and I remember thinking, he's not going to find a good spot. This, this might be it. He's going to end up in a bad spot. And he ended up landing in a great spot where he was able to be somewhat productive as that, as that third receiver with Dallas, but he had to settle for a one-year deal and 5 million. And as well as he played, I don't think he proved it enough to really earn this, this, this type of deal. He, he got 18 million guaranteed. So definitely no offense to him, but this was, this was just another bad move in a series of bad moves for the Texans. If you kind of step away from all of that and, and the decision-making by Bill O'Brien, you look at Cobb and, and he's got a chance once again to be a productive fantasy player because they're running out of, they're running out of targets. We hope they draft a wide receiver, but they don't have, uh, they don't have a first round pick. So they'll have to do that with their second rounder. They have plenty of other needs, especially on their offensive line. This, this team is just a mess right now. Yeah, it's a mess, but you made a good point there, Ryan. Although he's 30, there's an opportunity. Maybe he's a better redraft candidate for nice production or, or a short term fill in for a dynasty owner that is looking to make a run, Matt, you're one of those guys that like to invest in these veterans that can put you over the top. Does Cobb qualify? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. But if if you have if maybe you won the championship last year and you got that three twelve, maybe you can get him for that. I don't I don't know what his value is going to be right now in the trade market. I can't imagine it's going to be a second round pick, and if it is, then I'm selling all day for sure. Uh, but maybe that late third can get you there if you're just looking for that maybe wide receiver five to, to fill in on you know on, on bye weeks or whatever and and see what happens. Maybe something emerges. You know, Houston better hope that Will Fuller got some bionic legs or something and is going to stay healthy all season. Otherwise, I don't know what they're going to do in terms of targets for uh, for for the wide receivers. Uh, Kiki Cutie, I guess that hurts him if you can hurt him at all, if he has any value left. Uh, you know, Presumably they're playing the same position. I do think Cutie has the ability to play outside um, based on what he did in, in, in college, but uh, I, I just don't know what the deal is with this wide receiver crew. That's why it kind of makes me a little bit optimistic about David Johnson like we talked about earlier. Oh, it's a it's a sticky situation because we all are Randall Cobb fans and it does feel like there's some value there in the short term and, and a chance depending on what they do in the draft. And it doesn't seem like they have the ammunition to spend at the position in the draft uh, could be a sleeper, could be a guy that you want as your fifth or sixth wide receiver because could be a guy you could plug in with that quarterback already in place. There's a handful of guys that are still to sign at the wide receiver position. We haven't heard much from Robbie Anderson, Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, Brashad Perriman is still out there. Is there a guy, Matt, that you're excited to see where he lands at wide receiver? I still think Sanders has shown that he can play, so I'm excited to see where he goes. You know, I'd rather spend a third-round pick on Sanders than Cobb at this point, depending on landing spot. Uh, I think he can still play. Uh, Robbie Anderson, obviously, it's, it seems like more and more he's just going to end up back with the Jets. So it's like that's what it feels like, and he's just never going to realize that potential playing with a, with a with a good quarterback. And Perriman certainly showed something at the end of last season, but uh, I mean, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of interest in him so far. Uh, maybe he'll end up somewhere, but he's had you know injury issues throughout his career as well. So not super excited about him. And even if he lands back in Tampa, like I'm not excited about him there either now with Brady there. So uh, Sanders is really the guy that I'd be most excited about this, depending on landing spot. It's probably Anderson for me, but I'm, I'm starting to get some of the same feelings that you mentioned, Matt, that um, maybe he's a player that, uh, that fantasy owners, fantasy players are just always more excited about than uh, NFL GMs and coaches are. He has had some, some off field stuff was reportedly looking for 15, uh, I think, 12 to 15 million a year is what I saw, which sounds pretty crazy uh, for for what we've seen from him. So, yeah, maybe maybe he just does stick with the Jets. And in fact, the the last time he was a free agent, it feels like we we kind of went through the same song and dance that there was some expectation of him leave leaving, and uh, he just kind of had to come back and, and and slide right back into the 
to the Jets rotation. If there was a guy of this trio for me that I thought was interesting, it'd be Brashad Perriman because of that speed and and maybe what he did at the end of last season. He helped a lot of dynasty owners, including myself, win titles in week week sixteen with 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 all those catches that he made in that game. So Perriman's a guy I've been monitoring. Not a lot of news there. If he landed in the right spot, and and there's been reports throughout the offseason that he wanted to land back in Tampa Bay. It seems now that Brady's going to be in place there. I don't know if that makes him a great fit there. If Brashad Perriman lands in the right place and the price stays low, he seems like a buy for me. I know I bought him this past week, hoping he lands in the in the right spot with the right quarterback to get him the football. Uh, let's talk about tight ends real quick, fellas. There are a few worth mentioning. Hunter Henry gets the franchise tag, Ryan. Uh, a guy that a lot of dynasty owners, all dynasty owners, really have been excited about at one point or another. Injuries, uh, I guess I guess lack of production at times and, and being overshadowed by other weapons on the team have all been factors in, in when you when you got on the Hunter Henry Express. Are you jumping aboard? Is this the time to be a Hunter Henry owner as a dynasty owner? Yeah, I think always, always is a good time to be to be a Hunter Henry owner. I still have a lot of uh, a lot of hope for him as as a dynasty asset. Really, it's this is kind of a to be determined though because we don't know what they're doing at quarterback if they potentially just roll with Tyrod Taylor and and draft Herbert or Tua uh, if if they do sign. Jameis Winston, that would be a big boost, I would think, to Henry, uh, Henry's potential uh, scoring upside. But overall, I, I think this is kind of what we expected, that he would get that tag, and we'll just wait and see what they do at quarterback. Yeah, I'm hoping that that they get a quarterback that can push the ball down the field, not only for Henry, Henry's sake, but also for Mike Williams' sake, guy that runs downfield quite a bit. Matt? Talk to me about Austin Hooper. He signed in Cleveland, four years, $42 million, highest paid tight end in the world. That doesn't seem like it adds up to me. First of all, Hooper in Cleveland. Do you like it? And secondly, David Njoku, is he on the back burner? Do we hope he lands somewhere else? What's the deal in Cleveland? Yeah, it does seem a little bit weird unless they just completely don't believe in Najoku anymore. Uh, from his standpoint, I think I want to go buy it. I mean, he's going to take a huge value drop. I mean, he already has over the last year, I think, at this time last year. Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was a top six, seven, eight tight end, somewhere in that middle range of those guys, with, with along with Hunter Henry and, uh, you know, O.J. Howard back then. Other guys lost a lot of value. Um, but. You know, I kind of want to go buy him now if they can get him for that late second round pick, early third, something like that. If somebody's really excited to take one of these later round rookies, I, I like that. In terms of his fit with with uh, with Cleveland, I think it's fine. I don't think it, it's it feels kind of like a lateral move to be honest. Uh, you know, he doesn't have obviously the chemistry he developed with Matt Ryan, uh, but it, and he's probably going to be third, I would guess, in the pecking order for targets, which is kind of what he was. Uh, most of his career in Atlanta outside of uh, outside of last year you know so he's got OBJ and Jarvis sucking up most of the targets and Hooper's gonna get some, get some too I think Cooper is a fine tight end I don't think he's a uh, you know someone who is going to add too many values to his touches he's he's, he's not someone that's gonna you know run through or r- pass anybody but he's 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 fine I think he's still gonna maintain his top 10 tight, tight end status there depending on on how they use him uh, but I, the, the, my takeaway from this situation is to go try to buy David and Joku before he goes somewhere else. Yeah, I like that. I also like the other flip side, which I didn't mention beforehand. Hayden Hurst ended ends up in Atlanta. That seems like a nice fit. The same type of receiving tight end that can find that hole in the zone and be that outlet for Matt Ryan. Ryan, your thoughts on really the trio of tight ends, not not just uh, the two guys in Cleveland, but also Hayden Hurst landing in Atlanta. Yeah, I think Matt nailed the the Cleveland situation. Obvious uh, value loss for Njoku, and I'm I'm not quite as excited to buy him because I think I'm not as certain that he's uh, necessarily going to be traded. I think they maybe just stick with him for uh, whether it's for two tight end sets or or maybe they've just decided that that he's a backup player. I mean, this is a guy who was a healthy scratch late in the season last year. 
like you, Dan, I'm I'm most excited actually about Hayden Hurst. I think he gains a ton of value. He also or he he played well late in the season last year for Baltimore, um, and and now walks into that Atlanta situation that we've seen tight ends produce basically for ten or fifteen years now. Um, so I think Hurst is the big winner in all of this. Yeah, totally agree. There's a couple of veterans tight ends that uh, that every dynasty owner knows about, Matt, but nobody's excited to put in their starting lineup in week one in 2020. Jimmy Graham, two years, $16 million in Chicago. What were they thinking? And Jason Witten signs in Las Vegas, uh, one year, $4.75 million. Anything to say here about these quote-unquote dynasty assets? The Witten one is, it seems especially weird, right? Like they have clearly have a breakout guy in Darren Waller. They have Foster Moreau who has showed some stuff and they bring him in to, to mentor those guys for some reason. It seems like they're already playing pretty well. So I really don't understand that one at all, unless it's just to, you know, play in blocking situations. Presumably he's still, still pretty good at that. I don't know. The Jimmy Graham one is weird too. When I saw this signing, I went to, uh, go back at his game logs to see like did, did Jimmy Graham like somehow torch Chicago last year like is this why they thought that it would be a good idea to pay him a bunch of money still no and uh, I think it was in week three one reception for four uh, one reception uh, on four targets for zero yards uh, so <laughs> nothing there and then in uh, and then the last game of the regular season against them three receptions on five targets for 30 yards and a touchdown so it's not like he went and blew away Chicago last season uh, I don't really understand it at all Obviously, Trey Burton is dead. Adam Shaheen is dead. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Neither of these make sense at all. I have, I have no idea what these teams are thinking here. Yeah, they're gross. They're, they're not dynasty assets. They're, ugh. There are a few tight ends still to sign. Eric Ebron is an interesting name if he lands in the right spot. Delaney Walker, if he decides to continue to play and – Wants to catch some passes, can stay healthy. Tyler Eifert is a guy we all remember. Uh, we'll see what happens at the tight end position. Seems like the work has been done with Hunter Henry and Austin Hooper. I said before the episode started, if we had a few minutes, we'd talk about the most impactful move for Dynasty owners so far. We do, Matt. What do you think is the most impactful move you've seen so far by an NFL franchise that dynasty owners can take advantage of. Yeah, I think it's maybe go sell Mike Evans and Chris Godwins if you can still get top dollar from them. It seems like a lock that one of those two guys at least is going to lose value this year. Maybe one of them still pulls out a wide receiver one season, but I cannot possibly see both of them doing that. Uh, so on the negative side, I'd say that. On the positive side, I say go see if you can get David Johnson for Chiefs. Maybe somebody is super frustrated with them and – uh, just wants to get out. You know, maybe you do have to pay that, that earlier than that late second, like I suggested. Maybe you can get him for a mid-second, though, you know, play up his age, that kind of thing, and, and, and take a shot on him at the running back, especially if you if you need a running back, too. I wouldn't count on running back one production, but if you can get a running back, two for that late second, mid-second, I think that's an okay move there. Ryan, your thoughts, a guy you're targeting or, or something that dynasty owners should be looking to make a move on? Yeah, kind, kind of related to um, – to Matt's point at the running back spot, I, I think it's Kenyon Drake. This is a guy that we were we were uncertain about heading into the offseason, uh, not because of his level of play, but just because of that free agent status, the presence of David Johnson, where would Drake land? And and now knowing that not only does he stay in Arizona where he where he had that that breakout uh, back half of the season, but now now DJ is gone as well. Like I already said, I think Drake is is probably a top fifteen dynasty running back, and that might uh, might actually be cutting it short. Mm, good stuff. I think what you said about Hayden Hurst—that's the one that sticks with me. He's a sneaky trade target, a guy that a lot of dynasty owners are probably overlooking. They're probably looking at him as, "Oh, that's nice. He's probably a starter now," but he hasn't had the kind of production that dynasty owners has depended on in the past. He might be a guy that you can you can get for cheap or maybe even throw into a deal. The other one that's really sneaky to me, also at the tight end position, the Packers didn't add anybody. That was a that was a common theme among those that were were making 
prognostications for for the tight end position. Maybe Jay Sternberger is a cheap add, a guy that is going to be more involved in 2020 and beyond. So with that, we're out of time for the DLF Dynasty podcast. I appreciate you listening. For Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to the DLF Dynasty podcast. We'll catch you again next week.